Hey, my name is Vitaly Klopot, and this is the Business of Education podcast, the podcast for higher education professionals looking for insights in the business of education. Each episode, I will be attempting to bridge the gap between business, marketing, education technology, and social impact through conversations with guests and friends. In this episode, I talk to Oliver Beach, General Manager at Jolt.io. Jolt identifies as a 21st century business school, focusing on upskilling and reskilling students in business education and have tutors or jolters as they call them from Google, YouTube, Facebook and many, many other impressive companies. Enjoy. Oliver, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm so good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, It's a sunny day in London, so I can't complain. Um, where in the world are you? I'm also in London, in in South London, so near Brixton. I'm trying to be hipster. Sounds Feeling. good. How's that working for you? Well, um, I don't think I ever will be hipster, but um, I'm, I can definitely take in the surroundings. There's no harm in trying. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I thought I would start by obviously asking you about your background and, and how you've come to be at uh, Jolt eventually. Uh, but if you can just maybe give us a little bit of an intro to yourself um, and especially how you've come to be in the education space. Is it, is it something that you uh, imagined yourself doing when you were younger? Uh, is it something that you imagine yourself doing uh, later on? Um, so just a bit of a background, I think, as a, as a starter for 10. For sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Um, I am currently general manager um, of Jolt uh, and also our VP of growth. So uh, I'm responsible for our overall commercial success um, outside of Israel, which is where Jolt was born uh, five years ago. Uh, so I am, uh, I run the uh, UK region and all opportunities um, outside of uh, Tel Aviv. Um, I started, I've kind of been in education for uh, 10 years or so. Uh, I started uh, after I graduated I my first job was working for a Warner Music Group, uh, working for a Warner Music International, and I worked on kind of digital strategy for artists like Ed Sheeran and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Skrillex and Birdie. And I remember thinking, what am I actually doing here? Um, you know, what whose lives am I changing, and what am I really adding uh, to the world? Not to discredit. The wonderful people I worked with in music, uh, but I just I went and spoke to my friends, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And I heard a lot of people working in consulting and finance and uh, law, and none of that got me very excited. Uh, and I spoke to a friend who said they were doing a plan to do Teach First, uh, which is a graduate. Well, it was a graduate is a graduate training scheme that places uh, folks in. Uh, disadvantaged uh, low socioeconomic uh, uh, skills with typically low attainment. And uh, so I applied for that 
and ended up becoming a teacher for four years. And only really when I was a teacher did I really learn the sort of brutal inequality and inequity um, in education. And I've basically spent the last 10 years working to create greater access to great education um, for people. And I've done that from the classroom. Um, I helped create a crowdfunding platform for schools, uh, for teachers to raise money for opportunities for disadvantaged kids, which was called Rocket Fund, uh, which was incubated by uh, Nesta. Uh, I worked for Cano, which is an edtech startup, uh, which makes DIY computers for kids. Uh, based on the Raspberry Pi, and I ran global partnerships, including creating a program for Syrian refugees to learn to code in Kurdistan, Iraq, um, which I built a few years ago. Uh, and then I moved to Flatiron School, was the first GM in the UK, and helped launch uh, the uh, that coding bootcamp. Took the team to about forty people, um, you know, seven figure revenue, uh, and then. While I was there, whilst I really loved uh, working for Flatiron and WeWork and all the fun stuff that came along with that, uh, I still felt that it was kind of grossly unfair that it was, you know, five figures for candidates to apply to change their career when really the market is suffering the problem, right? The market failure is in the lack of uh, supply of talent, uh, but there's plenty of demand from companies. So I left to flip the model and set up a free coding bootcamp uh, that is free for graduates so that we could create more diversity in the space and would charge uh, companies to hire the talent because uh, they are the ones suffering the problem. Um, so I did that. And then I uh, decided to part ways um, with uh, FutureProof, although I remain uh, heavily involved um, as an advisor and uh, essentially a kind of NED sort of capacity. Um, and I, I left just uh, in February 2020 and joined uh, Jolt just before, really, really like March 26th, uh, just before the pandemic started. Uh, and I joined as a general manager. So I guess I've... It's as good a time as any to to join a company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, ultimately I've, I've spent the last, uh, I've spent the last 10 years caring about access and, and I really just was all catalyzed by my experience as a, as a teacher. And kind of on top of that, I set up, uh, the UK, um, uh, version of, or say version, uh, of Out in Tech, which is a, global LGBT uh, nonprofit that's in the US. I brought it over to the UK three and a half years ago, um, and it's now the largest LGBT tech community in the country. Um, we've run 35 events. Uh, we have a community of over 3,000 people. So I've done that alongside everything else as well, and, and that's creating a community of, of people that want to grow in tech. So I feel really, I feel really um, almost amazed and shocked and uh, confused uh, that I started my career as a high school teacher and now I'm uh, running a tech company, which is confusing. I, I, I definitely see that as a um, trend with a lot of um, founders or exec level, um, you know, teams uh, 
in the ed tech space, a lot of the people have started really um, as as educators or as teachers um, in some shape or form. And I think it's that idea of scratching your own itch, isn't it? And, and seeing the gap and, and really understanding what it is that is or isn't there from a student uh, perspective uh, that really gets you uh <laughs> or, or, or it kind of wakes up that curiosity internally that I guess keeps us going. Well, so if you can if you can manage a room of uh, thirty uh, hormonal teenagers, then you can uh, manage a boardroom. <laughs> agree, agree. And so, and then you came into Jolt. Um, we, you know, we started talking to each other. And I think we we first. Um, uh spoke maybe seven eight months ago um it's quite a while back and and jolt was um at least from my perspective absolutely everywhere at at, at some point um lots of coverage uh in the media and quite a big boom when when you guys came into uh into the uk um so tell me a little bit about Jolt's uh, strategy and and background and and how the idea came to be and then um uh, where are you guys now in terms of the the roadmap Sure so a really light question thank you for that one um so <laughs> I yeah so I joined uh, Jolt as I mentioned before just before the pandemic struck and when I joined uh there were about 250 students in the UK doing NAMBA, which uh, is Jolt's proprietary uh, curriculum, uh, stands for not an MBA, um, and there's 300 hours of uh, live interactive uh, business uh, education focused on the startup method, uh, taught live by uh, industry experts, uh, so leaders across startups uh, globally, really. Uh, and from startups, scale-ups, Amazon, Trulair, uh, LinkedIn, um, Kenshu, uh, across uh, LinkedIn, um, across across companies. Um, and the pandemic struck, and we made a decision that what people really needed, especially in the UK, wasn't really kind of learn as you go uh, sort of lifestyle um, approach, um, but more there was a real urgency in the market to reskill, retrain, um, and so we kind of reactively launched a switch, which was essentially condensing a lot of the content from Namba, the relevant content that would really help people switch careers uh, using their existing experience. Uh, so, for example marketing managers in hotels, we would teach them how startups operate, how to apply for jobs, uh, how to get through the interview uh, process, how to talk to recruiters, uh, how to interview best for startups, um, using their experience in marketing to move into a marketing role in a a tech ecosystem, which operates fundamentally quite differently to, uh, I guess, less technical environments. So, so is it fair to say that you you fundamentally had a shift from a uh, focus on hard skills and and more kind of um, tech or technical skills to more soft skills, more to, a soft skills approach? And you know, you mentioned interviewing, you mentioned kind of 
communication and working together and et cetera, et cetera. Is that a fair statement? Um, I don't think so, to be honest. Uh, we have all of the content in Switch, uh, or majority of the content in Switch is from Namba. Right? We have curated a course based on our existing curriculum that is relevant for job seekers. Uh, we've added content, a bit of content. We've tweaked the, the running order uh, so that it's more cohesive. There's reflection and uh, tasks and frameworks uh, for uh, specifically for the for the route that they're going into. But it's really it's just a, it's a product iteration uh, using existing content. So um, rather than having here is three hundred hours of content, please choose uh, as you will. Kind of soul cycle meets Harvard. Uh, we are saying we will train you for twelve weeks um, in the evening to help you prepare for a potential career switch. Uh, so it's using existing content choosing the skills that we think people really need to develop um, based on their urgency, based on where they want to get to um, and package it in that way. Um, so I don't think that there's been a significant shift in model. We have just taken a more curated approach to people's education. Got it. Got it. I-, I wanted to take a bit of a deep dive into the, the way that you work with your instructors, um, whether you call them faculty or teachers or instructors or facilitators, um, or jolters, I think is, is, is the, is the name. Um, I think there's a lot of businesses out there who would love to be in a similar position to jolt to say, A, to be able to attract the kind of, um, facilitators that you've been able to attract. Um, and, and B, then be able to obviously leverage that network and those um, names and the names of the companies that they work for to really then elevate their own brand and their own company. Um, and so I, I wondered if you can give us some insights into the strategy and the workings of making that happen. I'm not sure how much uh, you were involved in that yourself, but any kind of tactics for entrepreneurs that are looking to attract um, facilitators and that are, and, and that are essentially, you know, punching above their weight when it comes to the gravitas of the, of the, the, the brand or the company that they've started and, and what the asset that they're sitting on to date. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we make it really easy um, for, uh, for our jolters to, you know, get access to their content. The content is already there. Um, we are asking them to uh, support our students in the most flexible way possible for them. So we schedule around them uh, rather than around us. Um, and we have, you know, developed a really cool brand. Uh, there's a really incredible um, energy and atmosphere you only really experience once you sit in a jolt. And the reason why we call our jolters, um, the collective noun is that that is, uh, the, they are the fundamental, um, component to the success of, um, our students and I think of the brand. So, um, whilst, um, trying to find a pop star with a collective noun. Um, <laughs> so. Our, all of the content is, uh, is, is created. Jolters will put their own spin and twist and perhaps examples into the, into the content, but we've made it kind of as easy as possible for 
people to say yes around um, the content that exists, uh, the ease of delivery, uh, the scheduling. Uh, so, you know, we have a huge uh, backend um, that uh, schedules shelters based on their schedule around all of our classes. And then on, on top of that, um, on top of that, the... Actually, I don't know if I have an on top of that. I don't have an on top of that. That's okay. I, I, do you mind going into a bit of um, a bit more detail on the concept of um, having or, or making it as easy as possible for Joltus to say yes? So, so you know, can you unbundle that for me? What, what do you mean? How do you find uh, Joltus? What are the you know? terms without going into kind of the, the the secrets the secret sauce if you like unpack that for me in in the best possible way if you don't mind in kind of really tangible takeaways i think yeah yeah well i you know as you can imagine this is our secret sauce so i won't go into um i can't reveal uh, aunt nonna's uh, recipe um but uh I mean, I think it's testament to the brand that we've created over, over five years. Um, we actually have, uh, kind of our organic application process as well. So we actually have a number of people that reach out to us on a daily basis who want to become jolters because this is also a great platform for them to, um, meet really interesting future leaders. Uh, it's a great platform for them to, uh, talk to, uh, people to learn from our students and also develop their, their skills and the way that they present their ideas, which is an incredibly valuable skill for their own development. Uh, they get to put their brand out there, their personal brand. We also do like a top 10 jolters list every month. We uh, vet our jolters um, and develop them. We have a full-time uh, teacher uh, jolter training um, professional who uh, goes through all of our jolts and watches them back and gives feedback. Uh, so we're also developing um, our uh, teachers and skills that are transferable into the work that they do. Um, and we actually have a really, um, I think, quite a challenging uh, process in how people become jolters in that we vet pretty deeply. Um, so they do at least kind of two rehearsals of content before we put them near any students with loads of feedback uh, throughout um, so we are, I think it's easy for them to say yes, because we give them so much to help them be good, um, at what they do. And so much of it is transferable into their full time work, uh, that we are just, we are adding so much to them as they add value to our students. And do they contribute with their own materials on top of your core? number curriculum or is it a case of them picking and choosing from the materials that you have and essentially just facilitating what you've already got so we we have uh i mean i can't i don't know the number off the top of my head but we have uh over a hundred uh individual uh classes and we will match and marry the class based on the experience of the jolter uh, and in terms of the actual content within the classes, we will encourage daughters to share, uh, case studies 
relevant to their professional career should they have them, but we have everything just in case they don't. Got it. Sounds good. Um, and just in terms of the strategy, so I remember when we first started speaking, uh, as I said, seven or eight months ago, um, and as you mentioned, the proprietary content or curriculum is called NAMBA, it's kind of the not an MBA. So it was very much a an anti-university uh, type narrative. Um, and maybe anti hundred thousand. Our listeners can't see it, but yeah, you're you're <laughs> you're shaking your head. So I'd love to really um, get your insight on that. And is that still the case? Is it just a case of, as you said, you're anti expensive universities? Are you anti universities at all? Uh, has that thinking changed as the strategy developed? You know, I think we're we're a disruptor. I don't think we're anti. Um, um, anything in particular. And I think that as we evolve as a business, the way that we work with universities uh, uh, will change uh, because we see ourselves as an innovative model um, to, uh, you know, education that helps people uh, break into and grow in tech. I think what's important to recognize is NAMBA teaches the startup method. Uh, and we that's where we, you know, prepare people um, to enter startups, scale-ups. Uh, and so this evolution of the brand into helping people break into and grow in tech isn't really far from where we started. Um, it's just a bit more focused uh, and focused on uh, kind of deliverable outcomes um, for people. So less lifestyle and more, and more focused. So I think that we... Mm-hmm. Initially, we, we were created kind of before I joined, um, Joe, but we were created to disrupt the traditional MBA, which is hugely inaccessible for most, right? Um, six figures for many, um, even online, right? So, um, we believe mm-hmm. that we can deliver on core elements of that, which is networking, uh, great education, practical, um, a cool brand. Uh, learn from great instructors and so many instructors as well, you know, like really, and instructors who are in industry working, the content is constantly iterative, uh, to what is happening in the market. Um, and that's really, really important. And so if we can offer something that is much more accessible, that delivers on the same outcomes, then for me, that feels like a really great model for for consumers to be able to uh, access great education, which is what I'm most passionate about. Why do you think universities aren't doing more of this themselves? Well, well, maybe the question, um, it's the same question. Maybe that's why why aren't they? Um, You are um, a COO, right, of of a university. Why can't you be... Uh, you know, are, are you, are you working in sort of in time to the market? Are you, uh, able to deliver that fast paced, innovative curriculum, uh, that students want slash need? Yeah. Um, it, it, look, it's, it's a great question. We can probably spend hours talking about just that. I think from a, my answer to my own question, if that's what you're making me do, um, is 
that I think most universities um, simply struggle to attract and don't know how to interact with corporates as well as for-profit businesses do. So I actually think that a big challenge for institutions is the ability to attract industry practitioners to teach. Um, you know, you've got you've you've probably got two types of institutions generally, at least in the UK. You've got the uh universities who are really making fundamentally an academic commitment to students and they're focused on research primarily. Uh, and so who they're trying to attract is mostly um, esteemed professors and PhDs uh, to primarily drive research. And if they need to do some teaching, then fine. But it's definitely a secondary um, thought. And then you've got the universities who have operational commitments, uh, who are focused more on delivering, on teaching, you know, first and foremost. Um, undoubtedly, you know, mostly lower ranked than your research-driven institutions. And that's a separate conversation as to whether there's there's merit in how uh, the ranking system uh, works. But fundamentally, I think all universities have issues in attracting and making it easy for your you know the, the jolters of the world if you like to say yes um because most institutions are only know how to attract full-time academics or adjunct academics um to essentially commit on a full-time basis, more or less. And that's the traditional model. And I think there's so much more to be done by universities to essentially forget about the kind of the drop-in, do a live webinar, you know, invite a KPMG partner to do a one evening, kind of one hour session for our alumni. I'm talking about more of a structured approach in, in a similar fashion to what Joel to doing or, you know, the Power MBA or many of your competitors. Yeah, I wouldn't say Power and Beer competitor. Um, so I, <laughs> um, what can you learn in 15 minutes, really? Um, so, <laughs> uh, um, so, so, um, I think there's three things here, right? There's, we're looking at three versus theory versus practice. Um, we're looking at us, what is a scalable model? We're looking at outcomes. So, I've, I've been fortunate to attend three different universities and I learned a great deal of theory, um, but very limited practice. Um, and the question comes back to full principle, uh, first principles there's, you know, what is the goal, um, of universities? What are they designed to do? Are they designed to deliver outcomes and employability? Are they designed to, uh, teach people how to think and, uh, you know, going back to basics and if the professors and uh, faculty within universities are full time and completely detached from practice, then why would there be any expectation for them to be teaching uh, what's happening in industry? 
Um, second is that, you know, we te- we're a business school. Um, so we teach business, but not, uh, universities obviously teach across the board. Uh, and some, uh, studies are more designed to support outcomes in perhaps research, uh, particularly the sciences uh, or continuing education into masters and PhDs. Also, universities are, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, gain a lot of revenue from uh, people staying in education and staying within their institutions. So they have a lot of conflicting priorities. Um, but for specific um, areas, uh, perhaps business management, economics, uh, accounting, these are areas which, you know, probably need students to go in to a commercial role. And are universities best um, preparing students for those outcomes? And so really, if Joe were partnering with universities, I would see it as a finishing school, right? Or as, a, as an attachment, an enabler, uh, to universities to help them uh, deliver on outcomes, um, specifically on accessible skills uh, and practice that you can learn um, to gain employability. Now, I know that there are successful models, especially within software engineering, where companies like Trilogy um, partner with universities uh, to deliver uh, sort of adjunct boot camps um, to universities. But I think that whilst software engineering is great, not everyone can become a software engineer. Um, I have run two coding skills and I cannot code. I have tried and I really can't. And I say this with a pinch of irony, um, but it's not everyone can code. Uh, and the, there are commercial roles within growing tech companies that don't require you to write a line of code that you can teach someone to get into. And those roles will continue to grow uh, regardless of the economy because those are the roles that help a business stay afloat. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I I actually had done uh, the founder trilogy on the show recently. Um, And his um, view was actually very similar. I think he uh we 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 primarily focused on the the kind of the commercial proposition of boot camps for universities um and you know i think trilogy's approach was slightly different to jolts where they chose to leverage the brand of the university recognizing that actually it's easier to jump on the bandwagon of a 250-year-old institution and brand with a certain heritage and a certain prestige and then bolt on the industry relevance and, and, and everything that the boot camp, a modern-day boot camp would, would bring. So that was – it's an interesting um, uh, comparison and a, and a slightly different twist to, you know, a, a somewhat similar business model at the end of the day. I guess the question is, do really, do universities really incentivize collaboration? Um, you know, we move very quickly between 
between businesses and themselves, um, and even employers, um, there is univer- universities move very slowly, perhaps slower than governments, uh, and it's a uh, again a, sort of another pinch of irony that universities want to be more innovative. They want to uh, prepare their graduates who are going to leave and try and enter employment to get employment. And if we look at the league tables, they are gold on employability um, outcomes. So why do they move so slowly on working with industry to create solutions that will help increase employability? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. <laughs> Please, uh, as I, a university. I, I think it's really more on the agility and the rigidity that most institutions have in just making sure that they deliver on the business as usual. So it, it, honestly, I don't think it's the lack of intent. It's the lack, at least in my opinion, it's a lack of bandwidth um, to actually step aside from a process that's been going on for decades and, you know, take a macro level view and say, right, what can we do differently to coincide and sit alongside what we do on a daily basis? Uh, and it's, it's, it's the fear of cannibalizing what they already have to a certain extent, uh, to, to some universities, less so to others. Um, but so so how do you see the future for Jolt when it comes to working with universities? Um, so if there there are uh, professionals who are working for universities who are listening to this, um, are there opportunities to work with Jolt? And what are, what what are some of the partnership models that you're exploring? Yeah, so I guess I guess there's two major ones. Uh, the first is uh, we have partnered with UCI. Um, in Irvin, um, who have been a real pleasure, real, real pleasure to work with. Um, I really wish I could fly over and say hello, IRL. Um, um, we've seen uh, two presidents uh, since we started talk working together. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely, definitely keen to, to, to meet them in person. But we're, we partner with them in creating curated micro courses for their um, continuing education uh, division so for professionals that they work with which i think is most aligned with us because that's what we do right we we teach um professionals to uh, break into and grow their career um in tech and or you know commercial the commercial part of tech um and i think that makes um most sense universities uh want to empower uh, that that area of business but not executive education, which is typically very, very expensive. Um, and I know that LBS, I think, have seen quite a uh, sort of decrease in executive education, particularly during the pandemic. So we offer something which is very uh, fresh and different, which is curated, uh, small group, live, interactive, practical uh, workshops to help people uh, grow within their roles, um, whether that's around 
negotiation, persuasion, teamwork, conflict mastery, uh, feedback, radical candor, running remote, running effective meetings, key skills that help professionals be better professionals. Um, it's a model that we are using direct to businesses and direct to companies to train managers and leaders within those organizations. So it's a very um, sort of clear overlap uh, with universities, particularly in the continuing education um, division. So that's a, you know, incredibly scalable model. And we, because we have hundreds of hours of content, we can curate essentially playlists um, for the universities and for their, um, for their companies. And for anyone that's experienced Jolt, it's an incredibly exciting and engaging learning experience. Um, it's the energy that companies want and need to engage uh, and hopefully retain uh, their teams. Well, the, se- the second model um, for, for universities um, is supporting graduates in getting into employment. Um, I can't talk to the product we're about to launch uh, just yet, um, but we are, are about to launch something which will support graduates um, in landing entry-level commercial roles um, in tech. It will be a bridge between uh, universities and um, and the uh, sort of commercial world uh, that is not paid for by universities or uh, the students. Hmm. You've made me think now. <laughs> Who might it be paid for? Oh, bye. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> interesting. And so it sounds like you're. I mean, it could be. It could be paid really... for by the university. But in terms of like agility, um, if we were going to say who is going to most likely uh, move faster to pay for great talent, um, yes, it's not going to be. If if I start the conversation with the university, we will finish the conversation by the end of the year. It's not the model yep. we're looking for. Uh, we want to create employment opportunities. We want to train people and build the future workforce. I can't. We can't wait for universities to move fast. Now, what we can do is build a model that makes universities think, hold up, I would like my graduates to be in that program because that will increase our rankings employability yeah then then i think that there is a, a model to for them to be reactive um to someone perhaps disrupting their their space so rather than saying take a chance on us i'll prove it to you i'll prove to you that we can help your graduates get jobs um and once we start doing that we'll say to universities okay why don't you send us your graduates and you can take the credit as well so it sounds like you're going for a licensing kind of partnership model, similarly to what perhaps Coursera on campus are doing, where they are allowing universities to license in uh, ready curriculum, if you like, to sit and coincide and and, and sit alongside uh, their their existing programs or on top of as supplementary materials. Um, we're, just, and, we're just not looking yeah. to get into the accreditation space. We're mm-hmm. in the employment space um, mm-hmm. and the skills space. So we are helping people achieve outcomes. And employers typically, 
especially within commercial roles, are looking for experience and practice um, in delivering on core key results within those functions, having a few extra letters after your name isn't really going to help them achieve those goals. So, Like four letters, like jolt. <laughs> yes, like jolt. Joe, just add jolt to uh, Overbeach, comma, BSC on PGCE brackets. Um, so I, I, I think that there is... Uh, I, I, we don't want to get lost in the kind of rigmarole of qualification and accreditation because ultimately yep. we're just teaching people skills to help them get jobs and be better at them. Love it. So, so what's next? So, you, you, so you're, you know, from a job perspective, you're building this uh, new venture that, that kind of bridges employability. Where do you see the company in five years' time? Where do I see the company in five years' time? I mean, we want to be um, the... Uh, leader in helping people break into tech. Uh, and, uh, we'll do that, um, by, uh, running scalable, uh, engaging, uh, courses that help develop people's key skills in gaining employment in easier to access, uh, roles within the tech sector, whether that's, uh, sales, customer success, uh, business development uh, roles that will continue to grow and exist uh, because those are the roles that will grow companies. Uh, so we, we see ourselves becoming the market leader for um, transformative learning that helps people break into tech. And we will continue to develop our um, B2B and kind of non-traditional B2C uh, routes uh, for people to grow within companies because we have incredible content that can help uh, managers and leaders grow within their companies. Do you see yourself being acquired by a large university? I'm certainly picking that up as a trend in the US at least. Obviously, the UK is a much smaller market, uh, kind of a bootcamp market at least for now. Um I've seen a couple of articles recently about universities essentially realizing as, as we uh, covered extensively that they can't do it themselves for one reason or another. Um, and actually saying, right, well, if, you know, if we can't do it, let's, um, let's, let's purchase and acquire a, a company and, and buy uh, a solution into the ecosystem. Do you see that as a trend, and do you ever see that happening with Jolt? I mean, I can't, um, I can't predict the future um, on that, um, and I don't know um, for now whether that would be part of our strategic um, objectives. I think, you know, we really see ourselves as a as as someone that can disrupt the higher education uh, model. But we are very much focused on skills and outcomes um, and on the practice. Um, it's always uh, it's flattering to be uh, f- to be talked of acquired, but right now we're focusing on um, developing our key, competen- key competencies and supporting our students and graduates and um, you know finding great outcomes. I'd say I expect nothing less, but I'd be lying. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, I'm conscious of time and I know, um, you've got a, a, a small gap in your schedule before you got to get back to meetings and, um, you've probably got some lunch, um, to, to make, et cetera. So I'll let you go. I, I really, really appreciate the conversation and the insight into Jolt. Um, I wish you the very best of luck with the company. I, as you know, I'm a big fan of what you do. Um, and I hope that we can maybe have another conversation and another deep dive in a couple of months time and see, um, what, what some of these new exciting initiatives that you talked about look like. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks again for, for having me. Um, and perhaps we can, uh, empower Arjun students too. Never say never. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Oliver. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's it for this episode. For really useful links and references to topics we covered, please check out businessofeducation.co.uk. I really try and go above and beyond connecting what was covered to high quality external resources so you can have some really tangible and actionable quick wins. Please, please, please share this with anybody in the business of education you think this would add value to. And lastly, I'd love to hear your feedback. If you'd like to be on the show yourself or recommend someone, please reach out on LinkedIn on Vitaly Klopot, that's V-I-T-A-L-Y-K-L-O-P-O-T, and write me a note. I'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you.